Every minute, every second of every day, we got to have Jesus. He said, Jesus said, for without me, you can do nothing. Well, I just believe that. And uh, without him, I can do nothing. And I don't want to try it. I don't even want to try. I've been kind of down that road before. Anybody else been with me? When, when I've been on my own and doing it my own way and Jesus isn't there to help me? Man, don't like that. Don't like that. Open your Bibles to Philippians tonight. It's Wednesday night, so that means we're in the book of Philippians. And we're in chapter 2 and in some, uh, some exciting verses of Scripture tonight. Chapter number 2 of Philippians. And I'm going to begin reading tonight with verse number 5. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number Five. Amen. Praise God. If you're there tonight, say amen. Praise God. All right. Um, let's begin reading with verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it to be robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Therefore, because of that, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. I'm going to read that ninth verse again because I know the devil don't like it. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those in earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Father, just add your blessing to your word tonight. Anoint me to minister and to teach your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Lord. In the history of the world, there have been billions of people that have lived and that have died. And there have been many that have left their mark on the tapestry of time, whether it had been a good mark or a bad mark. But there's one person tonight that we can say that stands out unique above all the rest of any individual, of any person that has ever lived in the history of the world, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was no ordinary man, as we all know, who he was and what he did forever altered human history and changed eternity for countless millions of people. And I'm so glad that Jesus came and did what he did. 
Nobody has had the influence on people's lives or on the world. No one has had the influence that Jesus Christ has had. To explain Him is impossible. To ignore Him is disastrous. And to reject Him is fatal. We need Jesus tonight, every one of us, amen? And there has never, ever been, and that's kindly what these verses are, are saying here and kindly the subject matter that we want to deal with tonight in, these, in this passage in Philippians, that there has never been anyone, anyone like Jesus Christ. When it comes to His advent and His coming to the earth, there is nobody like him in that regard and in that respect. And Paul deals with that here in these few verses in Philippians chapter 2. And uh, he says this concerning the coming of the Lord to earth. In verse number 6 he said, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And we'll unpack this here in just a minute and see what he's actually saying. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. Now, in these verses and many others that we, could, that we could go to tonight, and we've dealt with this some on, Sunday, on our Sunday morning series and even in our messages on Sunday night and the last two Sunday nights talking about the, name of, the names of Jesus, um, we are told here in no uncertain terms that Jesus Christ was a real man, that he came to this earth as a man. And the writer here, Paul, says that, he took the form of a servant and that he was made in the likeness of men. So he came to this earth. That's what the virgin birth, the incarnation was all about, was Jesus Christ, God coming to this earth and being tabernacled in flesh and becoming a man so that he could, he had to be, had to be a man to pay the price of redemption, but no ordinary man could do it because all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there wasn't any man that could have paid that price um, of the redemption of humanity. So Jesus comes, God comes, he took the form of a servant and is made in the likeness of men. And he said that he was, verse 6 there, Paul said, who being in the form of God considered it, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now, this goes back, this verse goes all the way back to eternity past. And uh, it does reveal to us and tell us, as I said, as many other verses of Scripture reveal to us, that Jesus Christ was God from the beginning and that He was equal with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. That's the thing about the triune Godhead, the Trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost existed from the beginning of time. Um, people say, where, where, where did God come from? He just always was. He always was. Nobody made Him. Nobody created Him. He is before all. He's the Ancient of Days. He is the one who was and is 
is and is to come, and he always was. He's eternal, and Jesus Christ, as a member of that eternal Godhead, was God, and as I said, was equal with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ are all co-equal and co-eternal in the Godhead. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that in the beginning, John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the, everything that was made was made by Him, and not anything was made. You know, He made everything, He created everything, and then in verse 14 it said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. So Jesus was with God, he said here, in the form of God, and he was equal with God. And as God, in the, uh, in the ages of eternity past, as God, the Lord Jesus Christ did not need anything. Amen? He had all the glory and praise of heaven. He was the creator. He had all of the heavenly hosts worshiping him. And uh, with the Father and the Spirit, he reigned over the entirety of the universe. And the scripture here, Paul is saying that he did, Jesus did not consider his equality with God as something selfishly to be grasped or to be held on to. In other words, Jesus did not think of himself. And this is what Paul was talking about because when, you know, we dealt with those first four verses last Wednesday night about uh, being in lowliness of mind and esteeming others better than yourself. And then... Uh, Paul says in verse 5, Let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus. And then he begins this discourse here about Jesus being God and with God the Father and equal with God from the beginning. But he did not consider his place in the Godhead and his equality with God as something selfishly to be held on to. In other words, he did not think of himself, but he thought of others above himself. He knew that, that, that the only way that redemption could come was he was going to have to leave the splendors of heaven and be, come to this earth through the womb of that virgin maiden, be born as a man and suffer and die and take the sins of the world upon himself and suffer and die for our redemption. And so there in that sixth verse, the scripture said here in the New King James, King James says it basically the same way, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. The New American Standard Version says he did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. In other words, his equality with God and his place in the Godhead, he was willing to let go of that and turn loose of that for a period of time so that he could come to this earth as a man and redeem humanity now when you think about when you think about his attitude just contrast the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ with the attitude of Lucifer for we know you remember who Lucifer was and who he is you know uh, Lucifer who now is Satan was an anointed cherub an angel of God 
He was one of the highest, if not the highest, of the angelic beings that were close to the throne of God. And uh, there's um, three or four angels that are named in the Scripture. Michael, Gabriel, Lucifer, and the fourth one is in Revelation. Abaddon is mentioned there, a name of an angel, which is a fallen angel. Lucifer is a fallen angel. Michael and Gabriel are archangels of God, good angels, heavenly angels. But Lucifer was a, a, um, a, an angel that was high up in the rankings. He was uh, close to the throne of God. But the thing about Lucifer was this. He wasn't satisfied with where he was. He didn't want to just be close to the throne of God. He didn't just want to lead worship in heaven. And the, uh, the scriptures indicate that he was a worship leader in led the angelic hosts in worship to God. And, uh, but the problem with Lucifer was he, didn't, he wasn't satisfied with that. He, he was lifted up, the Bible says, and you can read about this in Isaiah 14 and in, and in Ezekiel chapter 28 in those two places. But the Bible said that he was lifted up with pride because of his extreme beauty. And in Isaiah chapter 14, five times there in that, in those passage, in that passage, uh, Lucifer said, I will arise. I will set myself above the Most High and be like the Most High. And five times he said, I will, I will, I will. He wasn't satisfied being close to the throne. He wanted to be on the throne. He wanted to dethrone God. He thought he was pretty, you know, he could run the thing better than God could run the thing and run the universe. So he wanted God's place. And so he led a rebellion in heaven and uh, deceived and uh, got uh, one-third of the angelic host to throw in their lot with him. Lucifer did. He led a rebellion against God, but as we all know, that didn't go very far. God kicked him out, booted him out, cast him down with those fallen angels out of heaven. And uh, um, he's, he's the one that is known as Satan today. But Lucifer, here's the point. Lucifer said in his rebellion, he said, I will. But the Lord Jesus, in total contrast to that, didn't say, I will, but he said, thy will. Not my will, but thy will. So Jesus uh, yielded his will to the Father to come. Jesus was the creator, but Jesus willingly became a man in order to redeem mankind from the powers of darkness and from sin and from Satan's uh, dominion and stronghold. You look at, at, at Adam in the same way. Adam's, Adam contrasted with Jesus, and that's what got uh, that's what got Adam and Eve in trouble that's what got uh, the world brought the world into the situation that we're in today because Adam there in the garden had everything that he needed and we talked about that a couple of Sundays ago God had placed him and and Eve there in the garden given them anything and everything that they wanted they could eat of every tree that was in the garden except one but Adam even though he had been given dominion 
dominion by God over all of God's creation, Satan came to him and said, Oh, you know, you shall be, God knows if you eat of that tree. Why don't you eat of that? Well, God said not to it. He said, Oh, God knows that if you eat of that tree, you shall be as gods. And so man deliberately in the fall grasped after something that was beyond his reach and plunged the whole human race into sin and death. But all the contrast of Jesus, he didn't consider his equality with God there in heaven to be something to be grasped or held on to, but he said, I will do in the volumes of the books it is written of me, he said, I will do thy will, O God. And then he said, the scripture said, a body sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you has prepared for me. In other words, Jesus was willing, he was willing to come. I'm so glad that he was willing to give up heaven, to give up its glory, to give up its splendor, and to say, not my will, but God's will, and to come and to die for humanity. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. He made himself of no reputation. What does that mean? It means that, did it mean that he's building it? He didn't build himself a big reputation. That's not exactly what it means. It means that word reputation there in verse number seven means to empty or to make empty. So um, it reads this way in the New American Standard. It said that he emptied him. He emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself. Now listen to this. Uh, the Amplified said that he stripped himself. So the Lord Jesus is evident here through the writings of Paul. We see that he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Well, what did Jesus empty himself of? If he emptied himself of, 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 he emptied himself of something, what was it? Did he empty himself of his div divinity? No. He still, see that's the thing, he, he still, when he came and was born as a man, and it's it, in, in, in um, theological terms, it's called, it's referred to the, as the hypostatic union. It's something that's very hard to, for us to grasp with our mind. But when Jesus came and was born as a man, he still retained all of his deity. He was still 100% God, but he was also 100% man. Somebody said that Jesus was the only 200% man because he was 100% God and 100% man. Well, no, he did not strip himself of his divinity or of his deity. He didn't lay aside his deity. He was God with the Father in the beginning and equal with him. He was God when he was born in Bethlehem's manger. He was God in his 33 and a half years of life on this earth and his three and a half years of ministry. He did not empty himself of his divinity however he did empty himself of many of his divine rights and privileges one commentator says it this way and 
And, and this kindly um, gives us an idea of what this means, that he emptied himself. Um, I think it was in the Expositor Study Bible. says that he laid aside, Jesus laid aside the expression of his deity, but he never lost the possession of his deity. In other words, when they looked at him, when they saw him uh, in his earth walk, he was in the likeness of a man. He looked like any other man. Are you, are you with me? They didn't look at him and see God, but they saw man. He laid aside during his earthly life, he laid aside the expression of his deity. He laid aside his, his uh, divine attributes such as omnipresence and omnipotence and omniscience. And he came and he lived as a man and operated in his life and ministry as a man filled with, anointed with, and uh, led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, how many is with me today? Everybody knows that you know the story of when he began his ministry. Jesus didn't listen. Jesus never opened a blind eye. He never raised anybody from the dead. He didn't heal any lepers. He never unstopped a deaf ear or caused a lame person to leap for joy before he had been baptized of John in the Jordan and the Holy Spirit came, hallelujah, in the form of a dove that day and rested upon him the spirit of God came upon him how many times have you heard me say and others have said as well if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit how much more do you and I need the Holy Spirit in our lives today amen and so his ministry his life and ministry even though he was God he laid laid aside and emptied himself laying aside the expression of his deity and was anointed of the Holy Spirit, the healings and the miracles that he performed, the things that he did in his earthly ministry. He did that as a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and he went about, and with power, and he went about what? He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus himself said, I only do what I see my father do. He said, I do nothing of myself. Didn't he say that? He was totally dependent upon the Father. He was totally dependent upon the anointing and the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And so in the same way, I mean, it, 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 he was an example to us. We have the Spirit of God in our life. Now, not in the fullness that he had, but the same Holy Spirit that we have today. Jesus was led by the Spirit. He didn't do anything without, without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Don't you think that's the same way we ought to be today? Our lives should be led and guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? He emptied himself of, of, of those attributes. He laid aside his omnipresence and omniscience and his omnipotence in his earth walk. And he lived as a man. He also emptied himself of his eternal riches. And I think we can understand that Jesus gave up the riches and the blessing 
the blessings of heaven, the adoration, the worship of heaven. He left that all behind. He gave that up and emptied himself of those eternal riches to come to the earth and to be despised and rejected of men. To be, to, to you know, I mean, listen, you, 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 you read um, in, the, in the Gospels, the life of Jesus, I mean, he got hungry, he got thirsty, he got tired, he, he took naps, amen. He was taking a nap on the, he was taking a nap on the boat that day when the storm came, remember? And he was in the back of the boat asleep on the pillow that day when the storm hit. I saw some, I saw somewhere, somebody had a, had a t-shirt for sale that said, uh, had that scripture on it where Jesus was asleep on the boat and uh, during the storm and it had that scripture on it and it said, Jesus took naps, be like Jesus. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I say amen to that. Praise God. But he got, my point is, he got tired. You know, when he went, because he was human. It was in, he was in his humanity. When, 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 he, uh, when, he, when he went to the, uh, got there in Sychar in Samaria, and he set, the Bible said he sat down on the well there to rest. So he was weary. He was tired. So he had laid aside his, because God, listen, God, as God, he wouldn't get tired. But as man, he did get tired. Are, are you following what I'm saying? As God, he wouldn't need to eat, but as man, he needed to eat. So he laid aside some of those attributes, emptied himself of the splendor and the riches of heaven, and the Bible said that he did it all for you and me. He did it all so that you and I could have eternal riches and wealth with him in glory, so that we could have eternal life. He didn't have to do that. He did it because he loved us. He co God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus came, gave up the splendor of heaven to come here and die for you and for me. Thank God that he did. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Second Corinthians. Paul said this, Second Corinthians 8 and 9. He said, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. I know there's been a lot of preachers that took that verse and used it to say that you can be wealthy and rich in this life and be a millionaire and all that, but I really don't think that that's what this scripture's dealing with or talking about, amen? Although, there is, although I do believe that at the cross Jesus paid the price for our financial prosperity just as well as he did our spiritual prosperity. But he came and became poor for you and for me that, that through his poverty, through his poverty of coming into this earth and dying on the cross, that we can be rich in God and rich in the things of God and live eternally. I may not have a lot of wealth and riches now on this earth, but one day, ladies and gentlemen, very, very, very soon, I'm going to be walking on streets of gold. So are you. I'm going to be living in a mansion. Hallelujah. On the hilltop. So are you. Come on, somebody. 
But why is that possible? Because Jesus, Jesus, who was there with the Father equal with God, said, "This I'm willing to give this up to go to the earth to be the sacrifice so that mankind can be redeemed and I'll go and take their place so they can have the glories and experience the glories of heaven and eternal life. That isn't love. That, that, that old Dottie Rambo song. That old Dottie Rambo song. See, I'm going back now to my old country gospel roots. Amen. If that isn't love, remember that song? She said, he left the splendors of heaven knowing his destiny to a lonely hill called Golgotha there to lay down his life for me. If that isn't love, hallelujah, the oceans are dry, there's no stars in the sky, and the sparrow can't fly. I'm telling you, that was the expression of the love of God and the love of Christ that's how much he loves you the next time the devil says that the Lord doesn't love you you just tell him yes he does you a lying devil he loved me so much that he left the glories of heaven to come and to give his life for me well praise God amen Woo! he didn't have anything Jesus didn't have anything on this earth He was born in a borrowed stable, laid in a borrowed manger. He used a borrowed boat for a pulpit one time. He fed several thousand people with a borrowed lunch from a little boy. He slept in a borrowed bed. He rode as king into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. He observed the Last Supper in a borrowed room and was mocked as king by the Roman soldiers in a borrowed robe and was buried in a borrowed tomb. But can I tell you something tonight, ladies and gentlemen? Hallelujah, he's seated tonight at the right hand of Almighty God. Hallelujah, and he's coming back again. He's coming back for you and me. He said he took on the form, verse 7. He took on the form of a a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of man. He took upon this form of a servant, and it does not imply here, this scripture does not imply an exchange, that he exchanged his deity for the likeness of man, but it, but it but it's implies that it, was, that it was something that was added. In other words, he added humanity to his divinity, and he did that through the virgin birth. We've talked about that uh, in the last few weeks, the virgin birth, how it was important that he was born of a virgin. He temporarily gave up the highest glory imaginable to take the lowest position thinkable, the position of a bond slave, as Paul says here. He was born as a man. He lived as a man. He suffered as a man. He died as a man. He was in every sense and in every way a man and knew every aspect of human existence except one, and that was sin. He knew no sin. He knew no sin. He was tempted in all points, the Bible says, as you and I are. So he knows what we go through. That's why he's a high priest, that we have a high priest today. 
heaven that's touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he's been where we're at and he's been through what we more than what we'll ever go through and was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. He never sinned one time. Glory to God. And he's always there. He knows how to help you through the temptation, through the test. He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how bad things might get, no matter what you go through, Jesus knows what you're facing and he knows what you're feeling. Nobody was like him in his coming, in his advent, in his life on this earth. And nobody was like Jesus in what he accomplished in his coming to this earth. What he accomplished in his coming to this earth. Paul said here in verse 8 that Jesus came and when he did he humbled himself. This passage is talking about having that mind, us having the same mind that was in Christ. That he humbled himself and became obedient. Humility and obedience go together, don't they? Amen? He humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. This is so important, folks. This is so important because this tells us not only about the death of Christ, but that Jesus willingly allowed himself. Now listen. He willingly allowed himself to be taken by death. The prince of life entered the jaws of death willingly for you and for me. Nobody took his life from him. Amen? Jesus said that. You know, he said, listen, he said, I've got this promise from my Father. He said, uh, nobody's going to take my life from me. He said, I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it back up again. He said, I've received this promise from my Father. So, you know, I, I, I know there were evil men that were responsible and were uh, involved in the crucifixion, and he died at their hands. But let me tell you, let me tell you something. He died willingly and submitted to that death. Nobody forced him to die. Nobody, nobody, nobody made him die. He yielded to that. Amen? You remember, and I always love this, but, but when Jesus was standing before Pilate, and Pilate was asking him all the and I just love it. Every time I read this, Pilate was asking him all these questions, and Jesus refused to even answer him. He just stood there. And, and, and Pilate said, why don't you answer me? He said, don't you know that I've got the power to, to have you crucified or to let you go? And then Jesus spoke up. And Jesus said to him, he said, hey, he said, you don't have any power against me unless it's given to you from above. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. I love that, don't you? There was nothing that any of them could do. Jesus told, Jesus said, I could call, I could pray to my father. I think it was, was that when he told Peter in the garden when they came to arrest him and Peter whipped out his sword and chopped the ear off of one of the high priests, uh, uh, servants of the high priest, one of the soldiers there and he whacked off, whacked off one of his ears and Jesus healed that guy and Jesus said, put up your sword. He said, don't you know that I could, 
could pray and I could ask my father, I could pray right now and he'd send 12 legions of angels to deliver me. But then if I did, the scripture wouldn't be fulfilled. See, he, he wouldn't, they, they, they couldn't take his life. He willingly, notice he willingly gave his life. He became obedient to the point of death. The one who is the resurrection and the life humbled himself and allowed, he allowed the cold, cruel, clammy fingers of death to wrap around him so that you and I could have life and have life more abundantly tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's what this time of year is all about. That's why I'm preaching it. Preaching it, it may be a little repetitious, but that's okay. The devil don't like to hear about it, and we need to know about it. Hallelujah! About Jesus and what he's done for us. It's not elves and Santas and elves on the shelf and all of that. It's Jesus and him coming to this earth and him becoming obedient to the death of the cross for you and Amen. He died the death that he died. Paul said, even the death of the cross. Why did he say it that way? Even the death of the cross, because there was never a more brutal form of death than crucifixion. Never a more brutal form of death than crucifixion. Amen. He did not die as a victim. He did not die as a martyr. Hallelujah. He did not die as, as uh, uh, some, some, I wish I could think, I don't remember who it was, but some goofy preacher, I, I said some goofy preacher, said, made the statement and said and taught that Jesus' death was a suicide, that he committed suicide. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard in my life. He didn't commit suicide. He didn't die. He didn't die as a victim or as some martyr. He died in, in direct obedience to the Father as a sacrifice for sin. He died there in horrible agony on Calvary so that you and I could live in boundless glory. He took my guilt and my shame and my sickness and my sin and my pain, hallelujah, so that I could have his righteousness, his innocence, hallelujah, his salvation and his purity. Can somebody shout amen tonight? Well, praise God. That accomplishment that he made at the cross was so we could have redemption through his blood. There had to be the shedding of blood to pay the price for the sin of, of humanity. The blood that Jesus shed at Calvary when he died there, and I know that some don't like people, they don't like to hear messages about the blood about the cross, about those things. But folks, the blood is the blood, the shedding of the blood of Jesus is the only way we're going to heaven. It's the only way we can be saved. It's through the blood. It's the only way we can have victory in our life. It's through the blood. Everything that we have, every benefit, every blessing tonight that we have from God comes to us from Christ by means of the cross and the shedding of His blood, His death on Calvary's cross. 
Amen? It wasn't been good for them just to suffocate him on the cross. He had to shed his blood. The blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin, but this man offered one sacrifice, the writer of Hebrews says, for the sins of everybody and set down on the right hand of Almighty God. It's through the shed blood of Jesus. Peter said we're not redeemed with, with, with corruptible things, with gold and silver and all those things but we're redeemed but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. See that's the difference in the blood of Jesus and the blood of any other human being. That's why no human being no matter how holy they would have lived, no matter how much knowledge of God or revelation of the word they would have had, no human being could have, have atoned for the sins of mankind because everybody's blood is tainted. It took the pure, the spotless blood. It took the blood of Christ. The blood that he that coursed through his veins was the blood of his father. It was the blood of God. Are you listening to me tonight? Hallelujah. The blood that was in the veins of Jesus was not the blood of Mary. The teaching of the Catholic Church of the Immaculate Conception was dreamed up by some Pope somewhere along the line. That's not found or taught anywhere in the Scriptures. Mary was a sinner just like you and me and everybody else. She was pure and, and, and she was pure before the Lord. She served the Lord. She lived for the Lord. But she was a sinner and she had to have a Savior just like everybody else. She did not have her sin nature eradicated miraculously by God. That's not found in the Scriptures. The blood of Jesus was not the blood of his mom flowing in his veins. She had Adamic, fallen, sinful, tainted blood. You know, the blood of the mother and the fetus are never interchangeable. They never interchange. If they did, the fetus would always have the same blood type as the mother, and that's not the case. As a matter of fact, when they do a paternity test, they always test the blood type of the dad to find out if he's the father or not. Is that right? And I preached along these lines one time before, and said, boy, somebody really got mad. It wasn't here, it's another place. Got mad at me and said, they talked to their doctor about that, and their doctor said that wasn't true. And I said, well, you know what? I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. <laughs> but I said, he's wrong. He's wrong. God set that up so that the blood of that mother could never flow into that fetus. That umbilical cord, I wasn't going to give you all this, but that umbilical cord takes nourishment to that fetus, to that baby as it's growing in the womb, but it's protected in that placenta and the blood. There's never a transfer of blood from the mother into that child. The blood comes from the dad. Oh, I'm about to shout. 
And you know who Jesus' daddy was, who his father was? Hallelujah. We talked about that virgin birth. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and that Holy One that shall be born of you shall be the Son of God. The blood of God was flowing in the veins of Jesus. The blood that was spilt and shed on Calvary was the blood of Almighty God. Are you hearing me? Paul said it in Acts 20 and 28. He said, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. What purchased you? What purchased the church? The blood of God. He purchased it with the holy, spotless blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your redemption was great. It cost the blood of Jesus. And he humbled himself, became obedient to the death of the cross. Let me, let me, let me close this out. Verse 9. Therefore, every time you see a therefore, you need to look back and see what it's there for. Amen. Therefore, because of, because of what Jesus did here, God also, because he became obedient to the death of the cross, because he humbled himself, because he didn't choose his own will but chose the will of the Father. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, ladies and gentlemen, they nailed Jesus to that cross that day and put him up there and he hung there for six hours and died. And when they put him on that cross... Those that hung him there said, he is finished. But I'm going to tell you, we all know the rest of the story. He wasn't finished. The sin debt was paid. The plan of salvation was paid for. Redemption was finished. The plan of redemption was finished when Jesus bowed his head and he gave up the ghost and said, it is finished. But Jesus was not finished. Because the grave couldn't hold the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you tonight that he's the Lord of life and he's the Lord of death. And as I said earlier, he said, I have the power to lay my life down and I've got the power to take it up again. Jesus is the first begotten from the dead. God highly exalted him. God resurrected him and highly exalted him and raised him from the dead. You know, there were others that were resurrected. There was others in the ministry of Jesus that were raised from the dead. But they were raised. It was kindly a resuscitation. They were only 
resurrected temporarily, and as soon as they were raised back up, Jairus' daughter, the widow of Nain's son, those that were raised by Jesus, Lazarus, those who were raised by him, it was only a temporary resurrection because they all died again. But oh, there was something different about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because he came out of the grave and he resurrected to live forever, never, ever, ever to die again. Amen? He ever lives in a resurrected body today to make intercession for you and I. He said in Revelation 1 and 18, I am he who lives and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and hell. Hallelujah. I'm telling you Jesus is the surviving son of almighty God. He's alive. God has raised him up. God has highly exalted him. Confucius died and he is dead. Buddha died and Buddha is dead. Mohammed died and let's, let me tell you, Mohammed is dead. But Jesus died and resurrected and rose again and he is the living almighty son of God. Hallelujah. He is the son of God with power. Paul said by the resurrection of the dead and God has highly exalted him and given him the name. Not just a name but the name that is above every name. Hallelujah. The name which is above all names. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus. Let's shout it. Jesus. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. At the mention of it. Do you realize what he's saying? A name above every name. And at the mention of the name of Jesus, lives have been altered and changed. Fevered brows have been cooled. Blinded eyes have been opened and deaf ears unstopped. Sin shackles have fallen away and night's been turned into day. Defeat's been swallowed up in the jaws of victory at the sound of the name of Jesus. Hope is replaced, is replacing defeat and dead men have come to life and lost men have been found and devils tremble at the name of Jesus and at the name of Jesus the saints shout and the angels worship. Hallelujah, there's something about the powerful, mighty, exalted name of Jesus Christ. Amen? There is power we used to sing that with our, our youth group, uh, our, our um, um, drama team used to do that drama. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain. There's power tonight in the name of Jesus to break every chain and every fetter and every bondage. Amen? Disease. His name is above disease. His name is above distress. His name is above demons. His name is above difficulty. He is highly exalted today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Throughout history, men have ridiculed him. They have mocked him. 
They've rejected him. And most people today just use his name as a byword or as a slang word or in profanity or use it in vain. Can I tell you something tonight? That the day is coming when every person, every person, every person will bow a knee before him and will confess him as Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what this book says right here. That every knee shall bow of things in heaven, of beings in heaven, and of beings on the earth, and of beings under the earth in three worlds, in heaven, earth, and hell. Every knee shall bow. And not only shall every knee bow, but every tongue shall confess. The, 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 the mouths and the tongues that use his name in blasphemy and in profanity one day will fall at his feet and will, you, and will confess him as Lord and beg for his mercy but then it will be too late how many's listening to me today his name is a conquering name in heaven his name is a conquering name on the earth and his name is a conquering name in hell all hail the power of Jesus name let angels prostrate Fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. He is Lord tonight. Hallelujah. He is Lord of all. Can I get an amen? Praise God. Give him praise. He's Lord of all. Hallelujah. Worship team, come on back. Listen, listen. In order to be born again and to be saved and to make heaven your home, you have to confess Jesus as Lord. That's the only way to be saved, isn't it? If you will believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So those who bow the knee to Jesus now in this life and confess Him as Lord are saved and will go to heaven. But those that don't and that wait and that reject Him, one day they will too. If they die without Him, one day they too will bow their knee before Him and confess Him as Lord. But you know what? they won't be born again because it's too late then. The only time, the only opportunity that we have to be saved is right here in this life. There's no chances of salvation after death. There's no purgatory. That's another made-up thing. There's no, there's no chances, um, you know, of anybody praying you out of anywhere. You have to make Jesus the Lord of your life. All of us do now confessing Him as Lord of our life. So I'd rather, I'd rather bow my knee to Him now and confess Him as Lord now and know that He's my Lord now. Amen? And the Bible says that He is. God has made Him. In Acts 10 36, I believe it is, said God has made Him, Jesus Christ, Lord of all. He's Lord of everything. So we need to make sure he's Lord of our lives tonight because one day every knee is going to bow. We're all, listen, every one of us in this room tonight are all going to stand before the Son of God.
and give an account of our lives to Him. That's what the Bible says. And we'll bow before Him, give an account. Amen? And I want to be able to give a good account of my life and have Him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Stand with me tonight.